Welcome to the Commander-in-Chief Podcast. I'm Yuri Kruman, founder and CEO of Commander-in-Chief Media Group, award-winning chief people officer and keynote speaker, author of five books, Fortune 500 consultant and corporate trainer, and contributor to Fast Company, Forbes, Entrepreneur, and Newsweek. Our mission at Commander-in-Chief Media is to help 100 million people around the world in the next 10 years to do their life's best work in the here and now through storytelling, educational media, thought leadership, HR consulting, corporate training, coaching, speaking, and authentic high-quality writing, helping people become their own Commanders-in-Chief. Now, if you're interested in being a guest on the Commander-in-Chief podcast, stick around until the end of the show. We will share with you what we're looking for and how to apply. Hey guys, this is uh, Yuri Kruman, the host of Commander-in-Chief Podcast, and uh, I'm really excited today to have a conversation which I think is not one we have often enough, and you know, for, for various reasons, fear, other reasons, but I'm really excited to have Angora, the CEO of Empathy. Um, I will let Ron do his own introduction. Ron, welcome. Hey, Yuri. Good to see you and good to be here today. Thanks for having me. Pleasure. Uh, Co-founder CEO of Empathy, uh, really excited to pursue this mission of helping families deal with loss. Early stage tech company focusing on this non-trivial category of everything that happens in the aftermath of loss. So in a way, think of us as the friend you wish you had when you lose a loved one, not sure what to do, what can wait. And we help you figure out uh, the navigation and guidance and hopefully Save you time, money, and stress as you wind down your loved one's affairs. Cool. Um, thank you. So, look, I mean, again, I think maybe it's because it's a tech thing and everyone's like, you know, young and vigorous and yeah, la la la, Europe, Tel Aviv, Silicon Valley. Mm-hmm. But, you know, we get, we get COVID and you know, our loved ones get COVID and suddenly, I mean, God forbid, right? But clearly there's a lot that has happened in the last two years that makes one think about the inevitable, right? Mortality. Um, you know, for, for my case, my family, my wife's uh, uncle and his parents both passed away within, uh, you know, within a week of each other after going to a wedding in Morocco last March, mm-hmm. right? And it's, it's the kind of thing that young guy, 52, and just unimaginable things, right? So, you know, maybe some people, their head goes right to, oh, you know, what about uh, taxes? What about uh, succession? What about who's going to run my business? Like, okay, wait a minute. Okay, <laughs> wait a second. It's not. It's not all about uh, some kind of forensic analysis. It's like, look, there's there's a family. You know, you have to take uh, care of mental health. Yeah, of course, you want to think about insurance. What's going to happen after? You know, you want to make sure not to leave anybody high and dry in the family. So, right. Yeah, it's not. It's not maybe the subject that we all kind of like naturally gravitate toward, which is going toward my next question. I mean, you know, maybe for a bit of background, you know, you've worked in some pretty incredible companies. You know, you've worked for WeWork, eBay, a number of others. You can go into detail on that yourself. You know, how how does this subject matter come up? I mean, maybe it's personal, maybe it's something that happened to somebody else. Sure. We'd love to go into that. So first thing, uh, you're right. It's been a it's been a year full of loss, and I'm sorry to hear your family and 
your loved ones were impacted as well, like many others um, across the world. And um, it is terrible and confusing more than ever. At the same time, loss doesn't skip any of us. It's something that has been around forever. Uh, and it's that narrative of mortality that we're all trying not to think about, trying not to contemplate any life decisions, almost from a chemistry standpoint. At the same time, it's happening and people are not prepared for it. And as a result, like many other financial services, specifically in the U.S., death and dying unfortunately became a financial service. And as such, too often that means it's serving the wealthy and upselling the masses, leaving a lot of families underserved, overwhelmed, and just not sure what to do, what can wait, completely unprepared. Too often even exploited and um, taking advantage of. So having a, a companion is something that we thought could bring a lot of value. And loss didn't keep us either, uh, me and my co-founder. I'm a bereaved brother myself, another type of unnatural death, if you will. Um, and also many, many kind of stations in my life have experienced loss firsthand. One of those was when I was an early um, a young pro product director at eBay uh, after they acquired my first company, the Gifts Project. Mm -hmm. I had a, a team in San Jose. And one of the team members just lost his wife. And, you know, I... I tried to be a, a good colleague and, and, and a good manager and you know, to be compassionate, understanding, but I, I didn't really have the tools to understand what to say, what not to say, what's the timeline. It obviously wasn't really about me. The, the guy was devastated, but there was a lot of work to be done. And he did come back relatively soon, two weeks. Uh, well, that that's what usually people do. There is no official bereavement leave in the U.S. and uh, it is a leave of absence uh, and people come back really quick, quickly. And I paid him a visit when I was in San Jose and I just, I couldn't miss the pile of paperwork on his desk, tedious tasks, bureaucracies, and obviously not in the best mental stage to even address any of those. And he said, yes, this is a second job. This is, this is what I do now. Um, and it's true, it's 18 months median in the US to wind down a loved one's affairs. We're talking about 540 hours on average just for the main caregiver, the executor, the next of kin, not to mention the whole family, not to mention the mental um, implica implications and of course grief that doesn't have a timeline. Could come and go, it could stay for years. But even the technicalities of it are so complex. And you were saying about tech companies at the beginning, about being this or being that. You're right. We're, we're not one of those companies that can say five minutes and you're gone. Easy, fun, fresh, perky. Five minutes, 40 hours. Sweet. Yeah. Yeah. We, we're more about like, yeah, this is messy. This is complex. This is human. We are here to help. We will lessen the burden. 
we will offer relief. We're here to show support and do things for you so you can, well, at least save some of the headache that comes with the heartache. And there's obviously a lot of, of heartache that comes when losing a loved one. And the least we could do is use technology for things that we use tech day in and day out for. We like streamlining to-dos, uh, integrating with service providers, calculating financials, doing taxes, collaborating with others, getting price quotes. These are things we use technology for pretty much any other sector. I, I think deaf and dying is the single largest consumer sector that is still untouched by innovation, completely unspoiled by software, all the digital revolution that you and I have experienced every day for anything from getting our taxes or pizza or books or, and there's also no go-to. Just the thought that there's no brand that you can rely on that can have an offline or online, a B2C or a B2B, but just nothing, it's a void. So we thought we want empathy to be that family-centric brand and our mission, which has since then become my, became my life's mission, to help families deal with loss. We want, we want to lessen the burden for them, save them the stress and the, and, the, and the time and money spent in the aftermath of loss. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for giving it that uh, depth. I think, uh, again, the subject is not, it's not talked about at all. It's just like, well, what happens to your Facebook profile when you die? What? Right. Things of that nature. Or the other side is, you know, having lived in New York for 16 years, and you hear about some, you know, I have a friend in private equity. He used to work in some hedge fund, and he was, you know, talking viatical trusts. Like, hmm, okay, what happens when you die? And insurance and trusts, and what, what happens from a finance perspective? The problem is most Americans don't do any estate planning. Uh, and it's because it's all, it's all connected. This is a taboo topic. We are a grief illiterate society. We don't know what to say, what to do, how to behave. And we should be shifting from sympathy and condolences to empathy and action. Don't ask me what I want for lunch. Tell me, I'm getting a burger. What do you want on yours? I'm confused. I don't know what to do. I don't know what I want. I don't know how to call Amazon and delete the father's name or the, or the spouse name. I don't know what probate is in, in the midst of all everything. I don't want to go to court for sure. Uh, and I'm not in the best mental shape to do any of this. I'm actually almost research shows. It's almost like being drunk. You're not price sensitive at all. And some verticals, not all, but some verticals really take advantage of that situation. Upselling the bereaved. Yeah. To put it mildly. Yeah, it's, I remember this is a funny example. Uh, I remember I was in New York, maybe 2005. And like, uh, I don't know, my uh, friend was visiting from another city and we're walking together. You know, uh, she's a woman, so it looks like we're on a date, whatever. And some guy comes and he's like, here is my DVD. My DVD you know, like that typical New York encounter that you get. And he's like, oh, like 20 bucks. And like, in that situation, of course, you're, you're screwed. You got to give the 20 bucks. Otherwise, <laughs> you're cheaper or stupid, one of two. So I think the, the scenario is, is unfortunately very similar. You kind of just get 
stuck with it and you're like, you know, I just want it to go away. I just like, I'll pay anything. I'll just, I want it to go away. So I think when somebody comes in a very thoughtful way and says, wait, you know, there has to be a better way to do this. There has to be a better way to organize it. So you're not agonizing over all these things and re-experiencing grief with every little transaction, every little paperwork, piece of paperwork that you have to do. So that's, I think that's- a But it's, it's one thing for you and, you know, others in our relatively resourceful environment and ecosystems to say, I want this to go away. I want to pay whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, the cost of dying is not 20 bucks. We're talking about tens of thousands of dollars uh, that are spent over those 18 months medium. We're talking about tens of millions of Americans that are taking loans to pay uh, and, and still pay for immediate arrangements and others. We're talking about people who can't afford a fancy estate lawyer and by definition need to do a self uh, administered uh, process, mm-hmm. same way that you do taxes in the states, mm-hmm. but nobody built a tool tax for estate settlements, and nobody built a headspace for grief. Okay. And the whole thing is just not spoken about. Nobody's giving advice or recommendation. There's no knowledge hub, and more than anything else, there isn't a button that says "Do it for me, do it for me." And that's that's what we felt that is missing. I, in a world that has so much to offer in terms of technology. Yeah, it's it's a little bit like uh, I'm thinking on a, I'm thinking back on a Russian movie for chairs. Um, you know, the the undertaker goes around and asks everyone about their health. <laughs> it's a mm. little bit like that. Okay, let's let's not let's not kind of stay in this uh, headspace. I I want to I do want to talk about the business a little bit. Again, I I, I don't want to come from a cynical place at all. This is just kind of you know. A business is a business. You have to think about um, of the market. So B2C is pretty obvious, right? If, God forbid, any of us are ever in that situation and we come across it, like, of course, like, just here, like, make it go yeah. away and, you know, you're a good person. You're going to take care of it. Thank you. Awesome. Beautiful. But talking about a business, B2B, you start thinking, well, how much is going to cost? Is this, what is the ROI? You know, is this going to be part of my benefits package? Um, you know, what about utilization? What about demographic, right? You kind of get into all the numbers because I don't know how much it costs. Is this something that makes sense? So from my perspective, I've worked um, in the past for a couple of benefit SaaS companies that kind of you know, bundle all of that, bundle all the contracts and offer that up to enterprises and say, hey, you know what? Here's my fancy set of benefits, right? So from, from that perspective, again, I don't, I don't mean in any way to be flip, but again, I'm just curious about the business as well. So when when you go to um, no need to be apologetic, we we are a business, and right. this is uh, an impactful, mission driven, purposeful, for profit company. That's how we're very proud of being a business that is helping families. And in order to do that at scale, we definitely need to have a sustainable and meaningful business model. So let's let's get into that. Um, okay. So let's say um, I'm I'm a startup, right? And you're trying to kind of get in. What what does the infrastructure look like? Is this like any other benefits that you go through a platform or you know some kind of trial? So it's interesting. It's interesting that uh, coming from your background as a leader in the HR space, mm-hmm. your intuition is automatically going into 
benefits and offering support, which is indeed one of our verticals. When we do uh, B2B and enterprise, uh, working with employers is definitely something we started to do recently and going to do more of in 2022. We have some exciting announcement on uh, uh, very meaningful uh, brands and employers that will will be doing that shift we talked about from sympathy to empathy. Um, but let's zoom out. Let's let's back out a little bit and say when we think about the business, it basically has uh, two pillars. We're doing direct to consumer, which is people go into empathy.com from serendipity or, or mission shopping, if it's search or discovery, yep. if it's our SEO engine or an ad, and they get the Android app or the iOS app and they get the consumer tier and we start supporting them right away on the spot, really offering a, a companion to, to come along. When we do B2B, we work with a set of verticals. So in addition to um, HR benefits, which has an EAP element, a broker element, uh, direct uh, employer element, and a lot of it is just really new from the last three months that we started to work with uh, uh, employers more closely on redefining the bereavement leave, perhaps the, la- the largest omission uh, still happening in leave of absence. Very similar, if you think about it, to parental leave or maternity leave, because it's a life event, personal life transition happening in my family, in my house. But suddenly, it's very clear for the employer that they need to show up. They need to do more. Ten years ago, that wasn't the case for young fathers and young mothers after having their firstborn. So today, it's very clear that this is a good thing to do, but it's also a great example of how values can drive value. And absenteeism and and presenteeism, and of of course, productivity as a whole, will pay dividends when you save time and stress for your employee, which is really what we all try to do every day. And when it comes with a price tag of 500 hours plus, like bereavement, and those items are nine to five items. You can't call probate court after, you have to do it from your enterprise cubicle, right? This is when they're open. So long story short, excited about redefining the bereavement leave and excited about telling more about that, in, in with the, sharing more about that with the world in 2022, uh, as soon as um, in Q1. And um, a lot of news coming coming up on that on that end. Uh, another key vertical for us is um, life insurance. So when you think about uh, life insurance, but also hospice, palliative care, senior care, funeral services, they all have some relationship with the family already. And they all really want to offer some level of continuity of care. They're giving you care and that that journey stops. You discharge from the hospice or you cut the check from the life insurance or you call someone to pick up the stuff from the nursing home. Like There's an end to the journey. It's a very clear cut. Well, in fact, 
those entities really care about the families. They say they do, but they really do. They, they really try to show up for you in so many ways throughout the patient's life or the family's uh, support. And here's a way for them to add another 18 months support for a fraction of the cost that they spent on the last month, for example. And I'll give you a few examples. Uh, life insurance is a vertical we're very excited about. We shared a few uh, exciting news items in the last uh, uh, few weeks and months. Uh, our marquee partner in that vertical would definitely be New York Life, the largest mutual life insurer in the States. 177 years of keeping the award. Such an honorable, distinct brand that has showing showing up for, for families on a daily basis. And now, in addition to financial peace of mind that the policyholder is buying for their future beneficiary, now they get to, to, to get uh, emotional peace of mind and administrative peace of mind as well to really lessen the burden for their loved ones when, not if, uh, the inevitable happens. So uh, thinking about the beneficiary experience, and how can you really provide 21st century experience for that beneficiary? And even for them, you spoke about ROI, shift that transaction into our relationship. That's what empathy is doing. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. I love this paradigm. Yeah, because look, I mean, there's no shortage of, uh, let's say, insurance tag, fintech, benefits tag that's like, here, here's a million options. And even if you're in tech, you don't always know what's good for me, what's a good option, how does this make sense, who's going to guide me. There's not always that guide. When you look at healthcare, we're starting to see a bit more of that concierge, like, okay, uh, you know, what's your patient experience? Let me kind of go with you hand in hand and make sure that you have a good patient experience. Or you know what? Uh, I don't know, paying your bills. Like here, let's make sure that so there's kind of this coaching element in a lot of these things. But when, when it comes to the subject, again, everyone sort of throws up their hands and, hey, I'm really sorry, good luck. Right. So it's I'm, I'm starting to see actually this very interesting trend um, in, in healthcare. So I happen to have been working uh, for um, a while in home health. Right? And some companies, they kind of see, ah, okay, home health, that means a lot of people go to hospice. And now there's this kind of third element of, okay, what, ha- what happens after hospice? Right. And, Often families are left in the lurch and again, good luck. So I can, I can see that as part of the continu- continuum of care, which is very important. But I also I like this idea that there's always, there's a coach. Just as, okay, let's say, um, you know, I might come into a company as a corporate trainer and say, you know what, here, here are some skills that you need to know. Here, let me teach you how that works. Here's the worksheet, here's the training. Da, da, da. In this case, you're saying, look, in this situation, you're overwhelmed. But you have somebody that you can always call, somebody that will guide you through the process. There's a roadmap. You know, you will not get overwhelmed. You can focus on grief and, and really do, you know, if, if there is such a thing as grieving well. Uh, I think it's really about uh, focusing on what, what matters to you. Usually for most people, it's less paperwork and more family time. You know, if you just keep it super simple, I think a lot of people want to re-engage with life. Uh, they want to refine joy or build resilience, but nobody wants to be good at grieving. Nobody wants to be perfect at being an executor. Nobody wants to be, become an expert, actually. 
about what's that jurisdiction and the father had a boat in New Jersey, but the estate is in Florida or it's a lot of paperwork. What you really want is time to process, reflect, and and be one with your feelings. You definitely don't want to wash it off, make it go away. We're, empathy is not about that for sure. But at the same time, we're not going to teach you how to do practice grief for the rest of your life. This is about getting you through this and back on your feet again. Yeah. So really like, in a way, other infrequent products like a Zillow or a TurboTax, they don't want you to come in every day. They want to help you in those life moments when the time is right, when there's enough of, enough business to go around uh, for infrequent products if you do them well. What we focus on is building a trustworthy brand and a trustworthy experience for those families that they know our interests are aligned. We want what's best for them. And that is a big statement. It comes with a, a big price. You, you could potentially have a, a bigger margin, but if you want to make sure you're always aligned with the family's best interest, that is, that is a big commitment. I'm glad you brought that up. Another paradigm that comes to mind is, you know, we often hear of, uh, let's say, someone from the NFL or NBA, right? Like, oh, you know, his uh, ex passed away, but he, you know, it wasn't back in the game the same night. And it's like the, the attitude towards death in, in America, at least. I think it's, we still have this idea that we're a young nation and we're like, you know, we're young and vigorous and there's always a second, third, fifth chance. And the way we deal with death is, is I would say, very unhealthy in certain ways, right? Because it's like, well, I don't know, like, we'll think about that when, when it's relevant. So I think we want to get away from that. We want to say, okay, it's not healthy to just jump right back in. All you're doing is you're burying it. It's going to resurface 10 times worse. Take care of it. I, I think it's, it's a, a, one, way, one way to think about it is always compared to other life events. Yeah. And... What you really want to be is not judgmental and unconditional. If you see a lady come back, coming back to work uh, a day after her firstborn shows up, is that something to be celebrated? Is that something to be criticizing of? I'm not sure. What I think should happen is we should be unconditional about it. That's not necessarily a good thing, unhealthy, or a, or a bad thing. Uh, it's it's just what's right for her, and we should be uh, uh, less of a grief literate society where we understand some people need time to process. Other people actually process by drowning themselves back to work, and that might be fine for them. But it doesn't mean we shouldn't let them. But even if someone came back to work a day after, it doesn't mean the employer should look at his merit and performance and promotion the same way. If you took out 2019 data pre-COVID and say, okay, give me a big employer, give me a thousand employees that had bereavement leave. Very clear uh, single source of truth. There's actually... Uh, in the calendar, it says, oh, he, that person was gone. Yeah. And compare them against a thousand random people that did not have, 
a leave of absence of bereavement leave of all levels and genders and everything. You'll see a huge gap in terms of the, the following year in terms of uh, uh, performance and promotions and attrition and retention. And HR leaders are already doing those comparisons on other types of leave of absence. If someone was injured or on maternity leave, but for some reason, leave of absence on bereavement leave was still untouched. Mm-hmm. And we feel like this is perhaps a, a great timing to bring this up for public knowledge. We should be thinking about it. We should be processing it. Just, the fact, just because someone came back to work a week later doesn't mean you don't get to ask them as an, as an employer a month or two later, how are you? Anything I can help with? How are you feeling at this moment, right now? Like, and we don't do that. We, employers are not doing it enough. And they, we all assume that once someone came back to the office, they're good, good to go. Ronnie, you bring up some excellent points. I'm, I'm really learning a lot. This is not a subject that, uh, frankly, I've, I've thought enough about. Ironically, <laughs> actually, a bit of a quick personal story. Today, I went uh, for the first time to the, gra- the grave of my grandmother, whom I, mm. lost, I lost in uh, 2006. And the last time I saw her was in 1999, imagine. So today, I finally found her grave. Um, and uh, I learned a lot from the inscription. And even, you know, you realize that you know, my father passed away almost 30 years ago. My grandma passed away, you know, whatever it is, uh, 17, uh, 15 years ago, my apologies. Um, all this stuff stays with you, right? And a lot of it is not processed. And there's a whole bunch of other things that, I mean, this is <laughs> Soviet Union slash Israel. We were in the state. So we never coordinated anything. We had no idea that she even passed away. We learned much later. So completely crazy thing. So if you have technology and you live in today's age, there's not really any, you know, I don't want to say excuse, but if, if this is relatively straightforward and it doesn't cost a lot and it's more or less turnkey, I think it should be a universal thing without, without a second thought. So if I'm an employer, you know, again, not to get kind of cynical, but yeah, you have to think about, um, okay, mental health of my employee. It's no longer like a nice to have. It's like, you don't take care of that employer, the person will be gone and quickly. <laughs> They're not coming back. And it's not just defense. It's also people really appreciate employers showing up for them after maternity. People appreciate uh, employers doing more around their wellness and mental uh, being. And we see more apps and services and um, products that basically come out of the EAP neglected uh, closet and get their own part of the stage and uh, there's a lot of great innovation and, and employees deserve better care. And when you take good care of employees, they do their life's best work. They stay longer in a very dynamic work environment where people shift jobs more often than ever. And when you help them with life's most challenging moments, they'll, for, they'll never forget it. That's the truth. It's, it's pretty rare and uh, it shouldn't have to be that way. Ron, um, thank you for that. I want to ask you kind of to wrap up. Um, we talked about this a little bit before we hit record. Um, one of the things that I like to ask all my guests is to mm-hmm. give us some, you know, maybe tips, tricks, strategies, maybe something part of your life philosophy, because you know, if you're doing a business like this, you've got to have a pretty solid life philosophy behind it. 
know, anything you can share with us around any of the kind of four conversations that uh, for me, I think are critical to have with oneself every day. Anything around uh, health and wellness, mental models, life skills, dealing with other people, or you know, higher purpose, God or universe conversations. Sure. Well, I think that if we close our eyes and imagine what we all try so hard not to, how will our last day here look like? This is inescapable. Mortality is real. And then we say, okay, let's say I'm at home, I'm lying in bed. What do I want to happen? Who's coming towards my bed? Is it my kids? How are they? Are they living close by, nearby? Are they fighting? Are they talking about money? Are they talking about arrangements? Are they, are they devastated or celebrating life? Like, and then many more questions about sensible conversations you should be having now and, and much more. And then open your eyes and say, okay, this is like any other thing in life. There's A and B and I want to get from A to B. What do I need to plan? What do I need to do today in order to get to that point? If someone wants to get into Harvard, do I need to apply for my GMAT? Like what is the next step in order to get to that life goal? If I want, if I, if I imagine this happy, tight family, what is it I need to do different tomorrow in order for them to be there 20 years from now? If I imagine less financial worry for that family, how can I act differently today to get to that place? Whatever is important for you. Again, there is no wrong or right answer, but I don't think any of us pretty much outside of Zen and and some um, uh, specific cultures uh, really close our eyes and, and do that practice, which I think is, is, you know, pretty close to your book and how you think about life's meaningful questions. In a way, it'd be unbiased as it gets, but I feel like mortality is taking all those questions inside about relationships with others, about your... Uh, relationship with um, money and, and resources, about work. Once we understand that we are all temporary, uh, I think it's not necessarily something that we don't want to think about. It's actually something that can make us enjoy the moment and appreciate time. I chose to spend th these 45 minutes with you and you chose to spend them with me. Hopefully, your listeners will feel like this was a good use of their time as well. We'll never get those 45 minutes back and they won't either. So what is it you want to do today? What is it you want to do tomorrow? How can you think about your loved ones? Is it a state planning? Is it a state administration? Is it just sensible conversation? Is it about just giving them a hug right now? Whatever is doing the right thing for you, but imagining mortality is not real, not going to make it go away. That's for sure. Um, Ron, you're making me think of, uh, I think there's always a Steve Jobs quote about something, but, you know, uh, basically, if you wake up today and you think your job, I mean, I'm, I'm paraphrasing terribly, but if you find that you're doing something you hate, get the hell out of it, right? Sure. But we don't we just, oh, wow, Steve Jobs, yeah, great. We, we don't apply that down into the practical 
of the everyday, right? We don't really think, well, what does insurance look like? Because it's, oh, it's right. in like 25. I'm, I'm really- If you had 10 URIs and you, know, you would be uh, diversifying those URIs, you'd send two of them here, one of them there, one of them maybe should be a founder in terms of the risk. Uh, most of them should do less risky stuff. And that's another, that's another thing. But if you only have one URI and I only have one run, then you, you, you can't really miss that, that time. You really want to do, do what you love. It's just becoming just a much more present um, karma and, and state of mind. Exactly. Ron, thank you so much. I think this is a really critical conversation. I mean, there are very thank few you. that kind of, you know, like, oh, no, no, this one is like, it's, it's both high level philosophy and very practical things. And I love that you've married the two in, in a really great business. I wish you tremendous success in everything you do. Listeners, watch, watch Empathy. Mm -hmm. These guys are doing something great and they're going to go very far. And, thank uh, you so much. Thank you very much. Thank you very Appreciate much. Appreciate it. Have a great Thanks. rest of the day. Thank you. You too. All the best. Thank you so much for listening to Commander-in-Chief Podcast. To apply to be a guest on the show, head on over to cicmediagroup.com backslash guest. CIC is in Commander-in-Chief. So that's cicmediagroup.com backslash guest. These guys... Help us spread the word about the podcast and our mission on social media. We're cooking up something truly special over here, and we really need your help to spread the message. The reviews, especially, are huge for helping us grow and get the golden nuggets of wisdom from our world-class guests out into the world. Go on ahead, give us a review or rating on whichever platform you use to listen. Our mission at Commander in Chief Media is to help 100 million people around the world in the next 10 years to do their life's best work in the here and now through storytelling, education, media, thought leadership, consulting, corporate training, coaching, speaking, and authentic high-quality writing, helping people to become their own commanders-in-chief. And before you go, please make sure to hit that subscribe button for us here at the Commander-in-Chief Podcast so that you can be the first to know when new episodes drop. Let's not be strangers, friends. Okay. Please connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, wherever you hang out. And of course, if you want to learn more about our work and impact, or just access some great content, yeah, plenty of that, head on over to CICmediagroup.com. That's uh, CIC as in Commander-in-Chief, mediagroup.com. Once more, this is Yuri Kruman, and thanks for listening. <laughs>